This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. City and state leaders are ramping up pressure on the Biden administration to sign off on a more than a billion dollar project to remake Union Station in downtown Chicago. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, there's reaction to a downgrade of America's financial condition by Fitch Ratings. We're also looking ahead to tomorrow's release of the government jobs report for july joining us now on the village of bedford park business line reminding you to bring your business home is jeff kilberg founder and ceo of kkm financial in chicago jeff thank you for joining us today and what a difference a decade makes when it comes to the downgrade of u.s debt because i remember in august of 2011 when the s p downgraded u.s debt in the midst of another debt ceiling crisis Uh, that was a friday afternoon and the markets dropped 7% the following Monday. And yesterday, there was a bit of a sell-off, but uh, just a drop in a bucket compared to 2011. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Robin. 2011 was a completely different scenario. And when you talk about the overall arching theme that Fitch, the fact that they even have jobs and they're still employed is just remarkable. It's a joke. It really is ridiculous to see uh, a rating agency come out and rate other countries higher than us at the United States. We're the most secure nation. We're the most prosperous nation on the planet. We have uh, complete military uh, enterprise securing the the nation as well as the globe. So I look back at this, and and I think this is just more of a clickbait. This is not a real situation. Yes, you are seeing the 30-year and the 10-year move higher in yield, meaning the inverse that the futures are being sold off. But I don't think this is really uh, something to worry about, nowhere near the 2011. And if you even think about 2011, Rob, it was absolutely preposterous that people, pensions, institutions, everyone that has to hold AAA, which is the highest grade that you can receive, meaning the most secure bond out there, well, that AAA got downgraded in 2011. What were people going to sell? Were people going to sell U.S. Treasuries to buy Southern European Italian bonds at 8 9%? It didn't happen. It actually went the other way, and they bought more U.S. Treasuries, bringing yields down lower. So I think this is a, a lot of uh, you know, the media wants to hype this up. But at the end of the day, this is not going to be an effect. Uh, the United States is going nowhere. The, the heart of the matter is, which we should really be talking about, is that the U.S. government is spending 10% more than they used to, and they're collecting 10% less in tax revenues. Those, that math doesn't work, Rob. I go back to my math skills at University of Notre Dame, and I'm pretty sure that doesn't add up. So this is a little bit of a distraction, and it's a little frustrating as an investor to see this headline the news. And on top of that, uh, Fitch did point to an economic slowdown as uh, one potential uh, risk for U.S. government debt. But even if the economy today slows down from its current pace, it's still in a much better situation than it was in 2011 coming out of the depths of the financial crisis. 
That's right. And I think the one thing that's very different is the amount of liquidity still in the marketplace. The Fed's balance sheet is still over $8 trillion. And the U.S. economy has, has been resilient all year long. That's why the S&P 500 is up nearly 20%. And don't forget, we've talked before here on WBBM, this is a post midterm election year. And historically speaking, going back to 1950, you see the S&P 500 on average up about 15.5%. And here we are, sure enough, getting through all the headwinds that the market has presented us. But this just really reinforces and fortifies the fact that the U.S. consumer, the U.S. economy continues to be resilient no matter what is being thrown at us. Very quickly, jobs report tomorrow. The ADP report, the private report uh, that came out on Wednesday, uh, exceeded expectations, layoffs still at historic lows. What can we see at 730 tomorrow morning? I think ADP is really hard to use as a precursor. It's such a hit or miss number when you're really trying to predict what the non-farm payrolls number is. But I think we're going to see more of this Goldilocks story. I think you're going to see unemployment rates remain low. And I think that's going to, again, put the Federal Reserve in a bit of a predicament because they are having a hard time understanding that they haven't been able to slow down growth. But they have won the inflationary war. They've raised the interest rates by 500 base points. So I think tomorrow's expectations will be right down the middle of the plate. And hopefully it allows the U.S. economy to hit the ball straight up the middle. Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, looking to the feds for a union station makeover. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Political and business leaders in Illinois are urging the White House to release federal money for a revamp of Union Station in downtown Chicago. Let's get the latest now from Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thank you for joining us today. It's been about 30 years since Union Station at Canal and Jackson got a facelift, and it's uh, due for a new one. Oh, it's not only due for a new one. Uh, it's uh, it's due for expansion. It's due for modernization. It, the place is a mess, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you have a, a nearly century-old facility. It was built to handle uh, intercity uh, passenger rail, you know, things like the uh, uh, Broadway Limited line to New York and stuff like that. Uh, but now it mostly houses commuter rail. Uh, metro lines. Uh, those are different needs. Well, and while Amtrak is still there, it's overcrowded, doesn't have enough space. So uh, the, the big ask here is for uh, 800 and some federal, 800 and some million uh, federal dollars to begin the process of not only re- rebuilding the inside, but adding platforms, straightening out the tracks, increasing the capacity. If uh, Uncle Sam does release the uh, $872.8 million to uh, get this project off the ground, what would Union Station look like when it's all over? You mentioned it used to be uh, one of the grand old passenger rail termini of America. It was where Hiawatha's and the Broadway Limited and the Zephyr's used to go here, there, and everywhere. But it is a primarily, it's a metro terminal. It serves 140,000 passengers a day, or it did before. COVID. That's a lot of people, and Amtrak is uh, planning on expanding their route network, and Union Station's probably a big part of that. It is. Uh, by the way, Termini, you get the, you get name from your Latin teacher, sir. Um, <laughs> um, uh, the the most visible things I think will be not in the the big waiting room, which has been restored to its elegance, but in the in the, the network of uh, of uh, passageways and stores or whatever you use to get from the door down to the uh, to the actual gates. That's a real mess now. It needs to be completely redesigned. I think it will be. Um, uh, the next really visible thing 
there will be more tracks that can be used. There's some old uh, old platforms that are out of use that originally were installed for mail service. Well, the mail doesn't go by train anymore. It goes by airplane. Uh, but those those uh, platforms are available. They need a little bit of work, uh, but uh, that would add capacity because uh, right now the place is at capacity. And Metric can't add service. Amtrak really can't add service. There just isn't enough space. And then the third one will be not visible, but but it'll be a creature comfort. You'll be able to get in and out of the station more quickly. There'll be better better connections, uh, less tie-ups, uh, particularly to the south, uh, uh, where there's a, a real maze now. There's not enough tracks that they go where they need to go. Um, all that should should result in a much better uh, consumer experience. Now, a very similar situation played out in New York where uh, the Pennsylvania Railroad, which owned Union Station and Penn Station in New York, uh, they were on hard times. They sold the air rights over the original concourse building uh, to put up a skyscraper. And in the case of New York, it was Madison Square Garden. And then New York fixed it by moving Penn Station like across the street into an old post office. Is it possible or is it in the cards to open up the concourse level of Union Station even though there's a very busy skyscraper on top of it right now? Um, not that I'm aware of, but uh, some, but I haven't looked at the latest plans and some of this stuff is detailed. Uh, they've, they've, uh, in the case of Union Station Chicago, uh, they've gone a slightly different route. They, uh, they uh, leased out property uh, to uh, developers a few years ago uh, that, uh, on top of, of parking spaces that they owned. Uh, and there's a brand-new skyscraper there where BMO... Uh, bank is going to be is going to have its headquarters in Chicago, um, so they've already kind of uh, uh, done the same thing. Um, I, I don't know that they need a lot more space. I think it needs to be better designed as opposed to expanded. Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us today to talk about the potential renovation of Union Station. Coming up next, dealing with lies told about you by artificial intelligence. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply cashing in with conversation the wbbm noon business hour continues it's technology thursday and one danger of artificial intelligence is the spreading of misinformation and that can sometimes be very personal let's discuss the issue with paul hockman president of humongous media and former tech editor for the today show based in cambridge massachusetts paul thank you for joining us today and let's consider the case of a dutch politician who uh, went into a different line of work and uh, typed her name into an ai chatbot and then the chatbot told her that she was a terrorist paul what do you do in that situation (laughs) uh call uh, mark at facebook (laughs) <laughs> um, it's real. That's the challenge. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's really scary. This uh, politician who uh, served for 10 years in the European Parliament, her name is Maritia Schake, and she is now working at Stanford. And one of her colleagues looked her up using uh, BlenderBot 3, which is a, what they call a conversational agent uh, developed by Meta. Uh, and uh, the, somebody posed the question, who is a terrorist? Uh, 
And the response was, and I'm quoting, well, that depends on who you ask. According to some governments and two international organizations, Maria Renske-Shaka is a terrorist. And the chatbot then correctly talked about her background. In other words, suddenly the chatbot out there in the wild has labeled her a terrorist and has given her obviously an unwanted moniker. And it's really impossible just about to unwind that knot. Um, and by the way, you know, so the humorous version of that is, you know, my experience. I went out and looked myself up uh, using uh, ChatGPT and discovered that I had won three Emmys. Um, and as I told your producer earlier, I was just disappointed it didn't mention my two Oscars and my Nobel Prize. <laughs> so the point is, the point is that it's really scary because it can label you in ways you don't want to be. We're talking with uh, non-Emmy Award winner Paul Hockman about uh, about the, uh, the, the the chatbots possibly saying things about you that are, are drastically not true. But what is your recourse here? I mean, this is simply an algorithm uh, that needs to be retrained, and this is above and beyond, let's say, a Google search uh, when you type your name in and one of your career epic fails is at or near the top. <laughs> That's exactly right. And by the way, I mean, look, any anytime you have a past, a digital past, there is the risk that some of what is in your past is not something you want publicized. That's one thing. But to, to answer your question about, you know, what, what's the recourse? Really, you're talking about an incredibly complicated process, which is to say just chat GPT and all chat, uh, AI generated content, because that process is intuitive. The, the system tries to figure out, you know, the truth. And the problem is that once that truth is public, uh, meaning anybody can access that, quote, truth, unquote, um, then you have almost no recourse. So you can confront artificial intelligent companies in court. Uh, you can file – somebody, an aerospace professor, filed a defamation lawsuit against Microsoft this summer, accusing them of conflating his biography with a convicted terrorist with a similar name. Um, you know, the, the, the list of difficulties goes on here. But back to your original question, what's your recourse? Honestly, there's very little. Uh, they, are, they are beginning at ChatGPT and other organizations to set up boards to uh, receive complaints from individuals who say, hey, they've been, you know, they've been defamed or whatever. But again, as you can imagine, that's like calling City Hall. Good luck. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead on this Technology Thursday, beware of QR code scams. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Crowds make their way into Grant Park on this opening day of Lollapalooza. Chicago's cannabis industry is one of the big winners during the annual Music Fest. Technology Thursday, it may just look like a QR code, but it could open a window to trouble. And former President Trump will be arraigned on four felony counts in Washington this afternoon. WBBM business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 46 points. The Nasdaq is up 41. The S&P 500 is up three and a half. We have 83 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies going up to a sunny and warm 89. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, this year's edition of Lollapalooza is now underway and there are reminders about what you can and can't bring into Grant Park. The details from WBBM's Carolina Garibay. 
new rule this year, blanket sheets, towels, and frisbees are not allowed. If you plan on documenting the festival, you can use your phone or a basic point-and-shoot camera, but no professional recording equipment. Reusable water bottles and hydration packs are allowed as long as they're empty upon entering the festival. Certain bags can be brought in to hold all your stuff. Small clutch purses and fanny packs must be 6 by 9 inches or smaller. All other bags must be smaller than 12 by 6 by 12 inches and clear. Carolina Garibay, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. Former President Trump is set to be arraigned this afternoon in court in Washington, D.C. An indictment accuses him of using a series of destabilizing lies to try to overturn the 2020 election results, culminating in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett says it's unlikely we'll actually see the former president. Several of those who've been brought before the bench and related to crimes or alleged crimes on January 6th have appeared virtually. The president wants to come in person. That is his right. And most of the high-profile defendants who ever come into that courtroom have taken this private entrance. And because of the security concerns around a former president, I'm very confident that's the way it's going to go. The arraignment is scheduled to begin at 3 o'clock this afternoon. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist at MoneyMorning.com, based in Miami. Shah, thank you for joining us today. Uh, the markets did tick positive about an hour ago. Uh, what drove that sudden about face? hope or expectation that we'll see better earnings uh, numbers out of Amazon and Apple at the close today. Uh, Investors are hanging their hats on that because the news yesterday that the downgrade in the creditworthiness of the U.S. uh, was a negative. And top of that, we find out that the U.S. Treasury's needs for borrowing through the end of September, which were expected to be about $750 billion. They've bumped up to a shade under a trillion, and yields are backing up on that. So whether or not we can sustain this rally through the end of the day remains to be seen. There are a variety of interpretations of the uh, Fitch downgrade uh, that run from, hey, maybe there's something uh, to what they're saying, to don't even listen to them, their, uh, their, their analysis is completely off. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Well, there's definitely something to be taken from that. I think uh, the operative phrase in there, they use the word governance as one of the reasons uh, for the downgrade. And if you look at U.S. governance in terms of the government, in terms of the parties fighting, the divisiveness between the two parties and the fact that we're not able to get the deficit down, the budget down, we're not able to do anything meaningfully fiscally, that's, I think, what they're talking about. If we had better government uh, I think more sane government, we've certainly accomplished some better things. And I think that's probably the primary takeaway from what uh, Fitch's downgrading said to me. And then when it comes to uh, just a little bit of a sell-off this week above and beyond uh, the Fitch downgrade, is there a, a little bit of a belief out there that maybe uh, stocks became overvalued during the uh, rally of the first six months of the year? There are certainly corners of the market analysts that are saying we are overvalued at 20 plus times earnings on the S&P. And as far as the leadership, the the big tech, the mega cap tech stocks that led us up from the bottom, um, took us soaringly higher, have sort of cooled. And I think that we're looking for earnings to see whether or not they can continue to lead. 
The good news for investors is there are lots of other sectors, the undervalued sectors, the cyclicals, energy, financials have taken the place and they have moved up in the broadening out of market participation, which is a good sign. Once again, Rob, it's about earnings. This is a big week. You've got more than 150 S&P companies reporting. And if it's a good week for earnings, the market can go higher. If it's a bust week for earnings, I think we've maybe seen the top for a while. And then very quickly, uh, inflation is not just an American problem. The Bank of England uh, also hiking uh, their interest rate by a quarter of a percentage point. Um, What kind of risks do this present not only for the global economy, but for the American economy, uh, that other countries are dealing with the same issues that we are? Well, I I think the risk domestically is whether or not the Fed has overextended and whether or not uh, higher for longer, which seems to be their path, uh, will result in greater fallout in the economy. And and as far as recession, there's nothing in sight that it doesn't mean there's not one somewhere around the corner, fourth quarter, first quarter next year. And that's what I think investors are really worried about because the Fed is hell-bent on uh, its 2% inflation target. And I don't think they're going to get there anytime soon. So that means higher for longer, which means that's going to work its way through the economy, and that's not so good. Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist, MoneyMorning.com, based in Miami. Thank you for joining us today. Up next in Technology Thursday, making sure you don't get caught in a QR code scam. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday, and in this segment, we're focusing on scanning QR codes and the possibility that it could lead to trouble. We welcome in Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions and member of the U.S. Secret Service. Service, Electronic Crimes Task Force based in Chicago. Jerry, thank you for joining us today. And the QR code has become just a, a it's part of the wallpaper of modern life. Uh, it would spin, the technology itself has been around for a while, but it really took off during the pandemic. And like every technological innovation, Jerry, uh, there's always the possibility to uh, rip you off. Absolutely. And, and hackers are using the uh, popularity of these uh, QR codes now to to gain your uh, information off of your cell phones or your computers or any of your personally identifiable information. Uh, by going out and creating stickers, they can go to the restaurant and where they have their QR code on the bar or on their menus or whatever, and they stick these stickers right on top of it, and you can't look at them and tell is it a, a legitimate you know QR code or not. They're very difficult to read. And, and as a result, when you open it up in your Google, it can, it can take you right to a malicious website, or it can actually go on and download an application to your phone. Um, it can also uh, steal information off of your uh, uh, phone, whether it's credit card information or different data that's on your system. So it can gain complete access to your systems. We're talking with Jerry Irvine, and one example of an uh, of a of a scam QR code uh, being used to get credit card information from people is in parking garages and by parking meters, where the QR code, the phony one, is placed near the parking spot, and then people open it and enter their credit card information, thinking that they're actually paying for the space. Absolutely, and if you have the app for you know one of these pay uh, parking meters on your app on your phone already what they'll do is they'll open up a similar app that looks just like your app that you have on the phone but it'll be their app and and they'll you know grab your information that way so it's it's just like 
they would do um, sending you an email with a link in it. Now, instead of you having to click on a link, you click on a QR code or you open a QR code. It's the same principle. Now they're just using it for QR codes. Now, when it comes to uh, getting a phony email that wants you to click on a malicious link, there are some red flags in there. There are addresses that look nothing like the uh, email address of the legitimate institution that would be sending such an email. Uh, What are the red flags for a phony QR code scam? Really, you need to have an application or a a add-in on your uh, browser on your phone. So when you do hover over that QR code, you can look at the bottom and you can see the actual link it's going to, right? So instead of just seeing the, the box with the, 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 you know, the graphics on it, you'll actually see the www link. But the way they get around that is they have these short links, the, the short URL links that may be, you know, just kind of cryptic so you don't know what it is. So another way to protect yourself would to be a, uh, a certain antivirus applications on your phone now will stop you whenever you try to go to a malicious application or a malicious website. It'll come up and give you a warning. So unfortunately today, most people still do not have an antivirus on their phones or their tablets. So you need to get an antivirus solution on your phone and tablet and make sure that it has QR, malicious QR protection on it. Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions and member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, Lollapalooza means big business for Chicago's pot shops. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Today marks the opening of Lollapalooza in downtown Chicago, and that means it'll be a big weekend for Chicago's marijuana shops. We're joined by Brad Spirison, publisher of Grown In, a weekly email newsletter that covers the commercial cannabis industry. Brad, thanks for joining us today. Is Lollapalooza weekend in Chicago for legal recreational marijuana shops, especially uh, around Grand Park, is that the similar to Black Friday in the retail sector? Black Friday, Super Bowl, it's a way to showcase for the legal operators uh, you know, all of the, the, the products, the form factors, uh, everything that they can have. And really, it, Lollapalooza is a display for uh, the normalization of this uh, plant and uh, all that it brings to you. Now, Illinois uh, brought in or sold $950 million in total cannabis sales in the first six months of this year. It's the third largest cannabis market in the U.S., and right now it has all the pricing power, it would seem. It's also one of the uh, more pricier places uh, to buy recreational marijuana products. That is the case. Uh, It's largely due to the relatively uh, limited amount of uh, dispensaries and options that you have open today, and that has to do with the limited licensing laws of Illinois. However, we are starting to see uh, more options open more quickly. So while Chicago still is high for that, and of course the tax reasons, we should expect uh, relief in those prices in the months and years ahead. 
We're talking with Brad Spearson, publisher of Grown In. Uh, when talking about uh, the pricing power, not only in Chicago, but in the uh, state of Illinois at large, uh, is it also possible that uh, that between the taxes and just you know what uh, cannabis dispensaries can charge, is it also a function of the fact that it's effectively an island in the Midwest? Uh, you can't really go to Indiana. Wisconsin uh, doesn't have legal recreational marijuana. So if you want to go to some other state to get a better price, you have to drive to Michigan. Michigan or more recently, Missouri, uh, where uh, it, it, it is significantly cheaper. But for the Chicago area, yeah, you have to drive to Michigan, uh, although you have those 27 miles in Indiana where, you know, it's uh, choose your own adventure and you're on your own in terms of uh, the public law. Well, I was going to ask about that. You know, Indiana is known as the uh, uh, the cheaper gas prices state because uh, their gas taxes are lower than you can find in the Chicago area historically. Uh, if other states nearby come online and offer cheaper marijuana, would that uh, put some pressure on dispensaries in the Chicago area and in the state of Illinois? It, the, the, the industry, you know, is certainly pointing to Missouri as a state that has done that and uh, – uh, one of the reasons why we need to be more competitive, Michigan has long been uh, cheaper. It's about a third of the price, uh, as you would find in Illinois. And we have not seen that just yet. But to your point, as more states like Wisconsin uh, and Indiana open up, although I wouldn't hold your breath, uh, we should see that. And then ultimately, you know, when there's uh, federal normalization, banking relief, et cetera, uh, in the years ahead, it should be uh, priced more like you know ordinary commodities. Brad Spearson, publisher of Grown In, a weekly email newsletter that covers the commercial cannabis industry. Thank you for joining us today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.